flip, but I can't as I flick through the gram like I'm staring on the barrel of a gun. The tip of the iceberg melt in the sun. Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 173 of Tell Me Where to Turn. I am one of the three hosts of this particular podcast. My name is Tommy 2.0. You can find me on Twitter at Tommy2 underscore zero. And you can find the show at Where to Turn Pod. Man, that intro was very, like, late night, smooth jazz, professional. I like it's it. This, it's this bourbon I'm drinking. I'm sophisticated. The, the bourbon and the intro just as smooth as, as, <laughs> as each other. You can find me at Glenn 3 underscore 11. And you can find me on Twitter at Point Break underscore Dave. So... Episode today is going to be a little different than what we usually do. Glenn, your thoughts on mandatory vaccines. You have the floor for 10 minutes. <laughs> I will do whatever my nation's leader tells me because I respect this country and the, the, the fine people that, that run it. No matter what side they're on, there are no sides. So, there is only one America. So President Camacho <laughs> has your full... He can... He can undivided loyalty. AR fifteen, the vaccine, right into me. <laughs> no, it's been a uh, it's been an interesting day. We've, I think, I think the most important thing is, and if if you do follow the show or those associated with the show on Twitter, you'll know that there was quite a trip taken by s- two thirds of the show that we're going to get to in detail. But I feel like we would be remiss, and of course, this will be pushed out on Friday, but we did have some big baseball news break right before we got on the podcast. The uh, The Texas Rangers have dealt Joey Gallo to the hated New York Yankees. This generation's Ruben Sierra. So what do you, uh, I know you've got the baseball prospectus by you at all times. What did, what did the Rangers get out of this? They didn't get very much. They and the a final deal has hasn't been posted yet, at least not that I could see, but they did get the number 2 prospect in the Yankees organization. Uh but outside of that, nobody else that they that I've seen associated with the deal even appears in the uh top 10 prospects for the Yankees, which is a little concerning. So who was the number 2 prospect? So this is a, a gentleman by the name of Clark Schmidt. Okay. And as somebody pointed out, it sounds like a name that Fletch would give. <laughs> <laughs> when he's broken into somebody's yes, house. Yes, Clark Schmidt. <laughs> I believe in Fletch Lives, he introduced himself as Billy Jean King one time. <laughs> he's, a, uh, he's a right-handed pitcher, uh, close to being ready for the majors. So uh, maybe even this year or next year. Big league ready, but besides that, uh, not much. I'm I'm looking now, um, not seeing anything anything too excited here. Okay. Well, I mean, I was told a little while ago they didn't get anybody that was in there in the Yankees top ten or fifteen. So if you're telling me they got the number two prospect in their organization, I feel a little bit better about it. Well, uh, as I'm reading this most recent uh, message that was just sent to me by The Athletic, it looks like they got nobody in the top ten. Oh, no. Ten. What happened to Clark Schmidt? Clark Schmidt does not appear to be part of the team. Oh. <laughs> they, here's, they got here's Tucker a, and no way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
That, that would actually be a really good show exercise. So they didn't get any top 10 prospects, but apparently we can take solace in the fact that several are in the top 20. So if we were going to relate this to WWE, who's Gallo? <laughs> Is he... I mean, he's not he's not a an old school no. mainstay. He's, he's not Riddle. Cena. Gallo is Matt Riddle. Okay, it's a decent comp. You you get you get plenty out of him, but then two or three weeks may go by, and you're just like, what are we gonna do with this guy? <laughs> so who are the who are the guys we got back in the top twenty? They're not top ten guys, but they're they're fringe guys. So who do we get back? Mace, T-Bar. <laughs> I feel like at best we got Alpha back. Academy. We, we may have gotten back like a, I don't know, Damien Priest. Yeah. Maybe. I mean, Damien Priest might might be a higher yeah. up on the list just with a, with a later arrival date. I'm trying to think NXT-wise of someone that we maybe have gotten the equivalent of. Bobby Fish. <laughs> He's like he's he's the one guy you know is probably not really ever going to make it, but yeah, he's still hanging around. I don't know. Okay, so we're we're it sounds like we're a firm thumb sideways on this deal. Yeah, we're we're a firm not impressed. I don't conceptually hate the idea of moving something we have of value to try to build towards the future, but if we're going to do that, let's at least try to get some guys that are going to factor in. It's going to be really hard for us to win the World Series with heavy machinery and Lucha House Party. Let's <laughs> let's be honest. It's a process. We're, we're looking at several years here. This is not yeah. going to be the trade that turns it around. It was never going to be. But what I'm saying is, if you could, if you had to win a one match, and you could trade Riddle for all of Lucha House Party and heavy machinery, or you could trade him for the head of the table, who are you going to go with? <laughs> the, the six or the one? Okay, Clark Schmidt, head of the table. That's that's our trade review. That may be a little bit offensive, actually. Clark Schmidt sounds like the kind of guy that probably has watched a lot of tape over the years. I bet he probably gets to the field pretty early, works out pretty hard, probably works on his pitches. <laughs> He's not the guy who rolled into the field when he was 17, picked up a baseball, and threw it 105 <laughs> the first time. Just a, just a sense I got. Well, I'm, I'm going to hitch my wagon to Ezekiel Duran, which is, I believe, a second baseman that we acquired. That's the, okay. that's the so future that, that's, right there. That's, your, that's the jersey you're going to be wearing. Yep. Yeah. A mutual friend of ours texted earlier was watching, uh, watching some, something uh, where Jack Leiter was being interviewed. Speaking of hitching your wagon, mm-hmm. and his comment was, "Man, uh, I was really impressed by that kid. He was very smart and very articulate." And uh, another one of our friends responded, "So the uh, affluent white guy who went to Vanderbilt's articulate—that's surprising to you." <laughs> <laughs> He's had to do nothing but just fight for everything that he has his entire life. <laughs> yeah, He's also the future, so. He's the other future. This is a Leiter and Duran podcast now. Yes. Leiter may be the head of the table. <laughs> Very possible. I feel like this is not going to age well. <laughs> They're both in 
Frisco or the Nashville Sounds or whatever. Hey, the Nashville Sounds are now a proud affiliate of the Milwaukee Brewers. Oh, well, there you go. Just keep it straight. So, um, before we get into the events, and I know that's where we want to make sure we allow ample time, do we want to stop down for a quick movie review? Oh, we're, we're buzzing the tower with some quick movie reviews. This is going to be quick. We're not going line by line in this, because no, if, no, we no, did, no, no. if we did, I'd quit the podcast. <laughs> the uh, HBO Max does a good job of making you well aware of what's available out there they 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 like to uh they're in a they're in a war with netflix they want to differentiate themselves and all the rage around the you know 10 and 11 year old boy circles was that the new space jam was going to be available ah yes yes starring none uh none other than uh lebron james oh so it wasn't kobe Okay. I I really can't believe this is what we're going to do. Yeah, I don't think uh he's probably opposed to flying anywhere, especially through space. Or in this in this case it was some sort of vast computer network. Yeah, because that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> uh this movie so you guys was both really bad. watched it. Oh yeah, I've seen it. I have I have two sons. Much <laughs> like Bart Starr. I mean, it was it was first night available. We were we were watching it and I had only seen the first one. I saw the first one while we were on vacation. One night we watched it. I'd never seen the first one before. And wasn't real jazzed by it, but I guess it was okay. This was a just a f- flaming ball of crap. This was probably one of the worst movies I've ever seen. Wow. There was just so much so much going on the entire time. It was sensory overload for no reason with LeBron's terrible acting. Mm-hmm. And then a very thin family plot of like his son that's able to program video games at apparently a world-class level but then also as a great basketball player so the plot was not it wasn't a remake it was a different movie uh i i don't even know i don't know if i can describe what it was and they put lebron not not an actor okay first off no but they, you're kidding they put me. him but they put him in like the worst spot. Like the screenplay early on has him have this like emotional scene with his son where he's LeBron's a little bit overbearing and wanting his son to practice basketball the way he wants him to and, and do away with these foolish games that you're working on. But I mean this wasn't like, hey LeBron, here's these three lines. It's like here's this five minute scene that you need to carry like you're borderline Denzel <laughs> that's just a random actor I picked uh, I was going to ask how why you picked him of all the actors like, what was the what was it that made you go there that's a good question I have an actor's coin that I flip with every reference and that's what came up <laughs> so are you saying it, maybe instead of LeBron they should have had LeVar Ball in that cast in that 
<laughs> would that have made more sense? I think it would have been a bit <laughs> It would have been, yeah, it, it might have held my interest a little better. But yeah, the movie the movie was awful. And then the other thing that I learned, and I don't know if you experienced this, is my my son, he has no idea who any of the Looney Tunes characters are. I had to like stop the movie and explain to him the Coyote Roadrunner bit. He had no idea what that was about. Did you explain it like, you know how they all chase the 24-7 title? <laughs> what if they made a cartoon that was basically that? Yeah, except the Roadrunner was our truth And the Coyote was Drake Maverick. We My, uh, actually make no. our kids watch the Looney Tunes. Like, yeah. We have a whole collection of them. Yeah, mine know because they've seen the first, the first movie, uh, probably at least a handful of times. So they're they're aware, and they they dig some of the older stuff. Like Tom and Jerry is a Tom and Jerry is a big player in this house. They will go on Cartoon Network if there's a two hour block of Tom and Jerry. They can sit there and watch the whole thing. What about Pepe Le Pew? I I don't think we can watch him anymore. He's not friendly. Didn't, didn't a lot of the old, and I know obviously Pepe Le Pew, but didn't a lot of the other Looney Tunes, do they not really hold up due to stereotypical overtones? Yeah, I think they, uh, we bought like whatever it was, like the first, I don't know if it was the first season, but we bought one that was a lot of the old ones. But yeah, I think, I think a lot got got removed there wasn't a there's no speedy gonzalez and sleepy gonzalez's cousin or whatever there was none of that yeah i feel like there's a lot of problematic like maybe germany related stuff with bugs bunny that but we're also this goes back not like a few years we're talking several decades so Whatever. Something doesn't hold up from 1950. You know, big surprise and big deal. Speaking of holding up, have you guys been watching the Olympics? I have, and I actually have a question for you two that was posed to me today that I thought was interesting. It wasn't about the swimmer whose name was Titmouth? (laughs) No, but sidebar. And I haven't watched, like, all the swimming events... But everyone I've watched, you know, it'll be like, you know, they'll zoom in on the American and then on the Australian or whoever, like, the, you know, favorites are. At least when you look at just female swimming events, which is what I'm bringing this to, every country has better looking swimmers than we do. Yeah, I think I can get behind this. I And... Listen, I bleed red, white, and blue, so don't ever get that wrong. (laughs) But yeah, I think on a whole, the swimmers are not a very attractive bunch. And that's, again, I mean, no offense. But here's the question I want to pose to you. And since it's the Summer Olympics, we're going to stick with just the Summer Games. What's your favorite event, sport, whatever? My favorite event sport in the summer games is going on right now. That would, that would be golf. <laughs> That's not a surprise. It's, it's your favorite to watch in the Olympics? 
I would rather watch golf than anything. So, okay. no, I think that's not a fair answer. I, I I think you have to remove golf and basketball from the. Well, the, yeah. you can't. I love you watching can't do that. NBA and college basketball if I have money on it. But Olympic basketball, I mean, obviously I'll watch it, but it's such a step down from the version of basketball I enjoy. Like, it didn't break my, this is one of my favorite events. I think I've always enjoyed uh, the men's indoor volleyball. I'm not a I'm not a big sand volleyball fan. Especially this, the, the two female? the two on well you know no comment but <laughs> but like uh, the the two on two that just doesn't I, I like the the indoor game. You're more into the group more. thing. I, absolutely, <laughs> two on two is not enough. That's not yeah, that just doesn't do it anymore. Yeah. I'll give you some support in this. It's and it's also very impressive to see how they're able to dig out a lot of those those spikes, drives, whatever you call it, from the other team. I I was watching it thinking, like, eh, fairly impressive. I, I felt the same way about the badminton too, which is um, yeah, they uh, they can really pull some heroics out there with the uh, with the shuttlecock. I was watching mixed badminton, and surprisingly, they were both good with the shuttlecock. <laughs> how how mixed? <laughs> table the table tennis the, is typically just, the men are better badminton players because they have a lot more time right. with the shuttlecock. Yeah, the yeah. table tennis is just mind blowing. Just yes. how quickly the ball is. Going back and forth, it, it's kind of difficult to watch. Like there's yeah. not oh, even there's insane. not time for drama or me to breathe <laughs> during a volley back and forth. So I don't know what to think about that. Have you watched any of the three on three basketball? Yeah, and I don't like that it's half court. Okay, it's, but it's almost like I only watched like 15 minutes of it. It's kind of like the Space Jam of the Olympics. It's just <laughs> sensory overload because it never stops. Yeah. Because it, it's not make it, take it. So yeah. we score, and the other team immediately can take the ball out of bounds and inbound it. All you have to do is get behind the three-point line somewhere. So there's no natural three to five seconds of just slowing down or setting up or anything. It's just a constant, which which when I started watching, I was like, eh, I kind of like this. But after five or ten minutes, I'm like, I need a break. I need somebody <laughs> to just stand out front and just direct and, you know, just kind of hold the ball for a little bit. But the, I think like, the sh- kind of calm the crowd down a little bit. The, okay. the shot clock, I think they have to because I think the shot clock is only 12 seconds from <laughs> it- the time you inbound the ball. It's bananas. I watched some and I had the same thought. Like, and I didn't pinpoint it as clearly as you did, but after about ten minutes, I was like, I don't like this anymore. <laughs> like my my head almost hurt. Like so many but things it, in life, I was just like, after ten minutes, I don't I don't like it anymore. <laughs> Who are the athletes we're sending to play in this? Uh, are they are the, they the college players team? or? <laughs> Uh, I saw reference. it was uh, <laughs> it was I saw one of the women's games and I don't know if those were I think they were WNBA players but I don't know that for a fact 
And on the men's side, I have no idea whatsoever. Yeah, I've only seen the women's, so I yeah. don't know about the. So it's not where Steph and LeBron ended up hiding out to avoid the main. Okay. <laughs> no, it's not. That's that's too bad. So I'll I'll if, go ahead. If we could pick any three NBA guys to be our team, could we win that event? I'll tell you what. You give me Luca and Trey Young, and I'll play them two on three. <laughs> I think that's uh, yeah. I think that's fair. So since I've had more time to think about this, I will throw out mine and see if I get ridiculed or if you guys nod knowingly with me. So, in consideration, I basically like all the track and field events just because I feel like it's very pure. It's very like old Greece Olympics. Like, pick up this javelin and throw it as far as you can. (laughs) Or run around here as fast as you can. Um, But those did not make my number one. I also like the weightlifting, but it's also like it makes me tense because I'm just it, waiting I, for someone to blow out their spine or something. Yeah, but I, I watched that the other day. Fall out. I yeah, can't I watched, do the weightlifting. I watched some of that the other day, and and I was uh, yeah, I was intrigued, but it feared the same thing. So my favorite event, and I will watch this men or women's, the four person relay where they all swim a different stroke. Okay. Love it. I, I think relay races in general are are close to the top of my list, whether it's swimming or track and field. Yeah. Yeah, I I I, I enjoyed that and then I mean I don't know if you guys saw it, it the watching the edited version would be the way to do it, but the mountain biking event was outrageous. I haven't with the that. amount of with the amount of obstacles that they had man made for them to go over and people were wiping out and crashing and then there was high speeds it was pretty interesting hmm did they build any of that did they build their own mountain (laughs) did you see what happened in the women's cycling event are are you aware of this story that's that's kind of a topic i like to avoid to be honest with you (laughs) it's kind of one of those that you really only like to address like monthly not daily were all the all the participants <laughs> running like at the exact same pace? So you're familiar with cycling's always been a, a strange sport for me to watch. It's not one I've ever participated in, but so much of it's predicated on what what tactic other people are taking. So it's not necessarily who's going to be able to ride the 130 miles the fastest. It's all what's the peloton doing? Who's going to attack? Who's going to break away? It's not. It's it's it's. There's a lot more strategy and gamesmanship to it, which is I've never quite understood. But what happened in the women's event, which was interesting, is they, when the gun went off, they had I think a five rider breakaway and attack immediately, an instant attack. Mm. Some might call it a sneak attack. Oh no! Here we go. So Japan was winning. <laughs> winning well, Rome. Japan was hosting. So. Let's not rule anything out. But what had happened is, you know, eventually the the Peloton or whatever you call it, the, the main pack catches up to the breakaway, and then they all uh, they all basically ride together for 100 miles, and then when they're, uh, I don't know what it is, you know, 5, 10 miles from the finish, the, the people that have the, the will to win, TWTW, 
they get up on the out of the saddle and they start attacking and this this lady that was the big favorite to uh, to win she breaks free and she crosses the finish line arms in the air i've just won the gold medal and then they're like oh uh you, none of you guys noticed but one of those people that was in the breakaway she was two minutes up the road and she fin- already finished the race oh wow so they so apparently they don't have the same team communication rules that they do in most competitions where you would have people spotting for you and be like, hey, there's somebody up the road. So this lady basically just sat in the peloton, knew she had it, broke away, won, except that she didn't account for the rider that had broken away in the original pack, and that lady rode to a two-minute victory. Wow. So That's funny. No, I, I missed all of that just goes to show you the importance of communication but then the uh, the person that got the silver was vindicated today when she dominated the time trial what is that which is more you? of a more of an all-out speed event well it gets you a gold medal but you know oh, i didn't come here to i didn't come here to make time trials i've said that a few times i, yeah, I was gonna say they're handing out medals for that i haven't seen it in these olympics maybe it's later but i remember last time enjoying the short track cycling that thing's bananas with the bank turns and they just that's a good if they would just if they would just put some dirt on that track then we'd really have something no joke and that brings me to my last olympic point the only reason we're doing this so they've got horse events now do you see a time in our lives They've when there is some type of horse events. <laughs> when there is some type of motorsport in the Olympics, uh, um, do, do they have any kind of snowboarding in the or snowmobiling in? Um, they do the Winter Olympics. They do. So I guess that answers your question. But I guess you're just talking specifically summer. What I'm what I'm talking about is when are we going to get to get the Swindells and the Kinsers out there? Representing America. Interesting point. Should the host country get to pick an event that they're good at? Like if it's in the Netherlands, you know, I don't know what they do. They roll cheese down a hill or something. Like, should the host country always get to pick? Like, when they come to America, it's, you know, NASCAR or American football. Like, get ready, boys. Here's what we're doing. If we, I, I think if, um, yeah, if we if we chose sprint car racing, I think we might have some competition from uh, other parts of North America, and uh, I think that's kind. I don't want to say big, but it's it's present in Australia. I think they race the opposite direction, so there might be a little adjustment there. So what if they? So what if they did just? Again, hypothetically speaking, they did some kind of a kind of like the SRX. They had some kind of spec car that the Olympics approved, and then they said every country you can send your top two drivers, and it would be you know one short track and one road type course and one you know intermediate oval. Who does America send, and why is it only Tony Stewart, and we just leave the other one vacant? <laughs> He's gonna do every track. <laughs> We could send two drivers. We only send Tony because that's all we need. That's all we need to win this thing. Tony Stewart and Hunter <laughs> Jones. Man. What tractor supply do you think Hunter Jones is working at right now? <laughs> so here's another idea I had for 
Olympic um, changes. So you know they have like uh, the decathlon in the Summer Olympics, right? Which is, you know, it's running, it's throwing, it's all those events, right? Kind of track and field events to quote-unquote find the best all-around athlete. Here's what we should do. Every Olympics, each country picks one person. And then they have a whatever you want to call big wheel of fortune wheel lottery drawing whatever and then they have <laughs> the to lethal comp- lottery they have to compete in that event so it could be weightlifting it could be <laughs> swimming it could be gymnastics but the person you selected has to go and compete in whatever event is picked in the lottery oh wow that could get uh there's a lot of events Tony Stewart would not do good in. <laughs> if he was in that, if he was in that swimming relay, and he has to be the, Gosh, he has to be the last I leg. Even, I just can't even imagine. He, Obviously, America sends Ricochet, right? And we just like, yeah, he'll probably do decent at it. Tony Stewart is the last leg of the relay, and we're way ahead. But he's like, man, I don't know. I'm gonna. Lose position here, and I can't possibly drown all these people. <laughs> there's, there's too many. Maybe that guy, like he's gone, of course. Oh gosh! All right, well, let's move. Let's move on to the main event. I was very jealous following you guys' texts and social media, but you pretty much, I guess, by one night late, you. you you brought the live crowd back to the WWE in person. You guys did this. We did. We did. In the town of the cow. We did. It was a very special so let's, night. Let's start off the trip. I mean, we'll basically get to day of because that's when we all joined forces, when we all put our fists together like the shield. But uh, I joined, uh, I went down to the DFW area on Friday for a poker game uh saturday night i stayed in the accommodations of muscle mat always good the water stayed on the entire time we were there they had fruit they had <laughs> ginger beer like everything the cambria hotel lacked was uh widely available at muscle mat manor and then it was the day it was money in the bank day Obviously, talk to Glenn, talk to fake Paul Bear. Like, we need to get to Fort Worth early. We need to pregame this thing. I thought you were going to say we need to get there because they open the doors <laughs> at 2, and I want to be in line at noon. We'll get to that, but there were plenty of people in line well in advance of our uh, entrance into Dickie's Arena. And Tommy is a person who enjoys efficiency of egress <laughs> you would have loved what we did as far as parking and exiting we'll get to that in a minute okay but first we made we we met over here at uh glenn manor and paul bearer okay. showed up in his monday night raw t-shirt <laughs> <laughs> they let us in we uh sweet talked the uh neighborhood security guard to uh let us in yeah, we looked at the requisite last three years of tax returns, and they said, "Yes, you can, you can turn down there. It's the you know fourth house on the 
on the right. And uh, yeah, so met Muscle Matt and Dave outside. We did the did the shield. Everybody put the <laughs> put the fists in, and Paul Bear held up his arm with a symbolic <laughs> belt, and uh, and Glenn, we were uh, we were off to Fort Worth. Glenn walked out of his house wearing the throwback WrestleMania logo tank top. So when we got to Fort Worth, we knew any restaurants posting the 3006 or 3007 restricted signs were not going to work since the gun show was in full effect. <laughs> did you did you get one of those um, like banded things and do some last minute curls to get the blood flowing oh, yeah. to get a no. little pump? We had the bands. We did the real close hand push-ups to get the... Yeah. Get, get the vascularity. Yeah, get the chest popping. Dad gum, pal. Look at those guns. <laughs> we got look, to, at the va- uh, look at the vascularity. We got into Fort Worth and decided to where can we find bar at and maybe bar and grill and of course we found a couple of bars but uh food service was not uh in place at the time so we just had a few drinks but before we went into the arena we were like we've got to get some there's got to be some chips and queso some ranch on the side somewhere like that's got to happen before we go in before we get to that part, so we, we go downtown, and there was a, a bar. I forget the name of it. So we park. The parking uh, pay for park was not not functional, best we could tell. So we had the white-knuckle experience of just parking next to meters that were expired and hoping for the best. But we had a few drinks in the first place, then we went across the street and it was basically the Buffalo Wild Wings experience. Hundred <laughs> percent. Oh, really? So they got on you guys about masks? No. Oh no. Oh. Just the we walked in, we sat down, and after about seven, eight minutes it was clear that there was gonna be no service at this place. Didn't we do that in Houston too? Didn't we go into a place and sit there and then a combination of how it smelled and and I think yeah the the neglect drove us back to Biggio's for the third consecutive meal <laughs> yeah it was more that one was more of a fear of uh like post traumatic effects to our body if we ate the food there rather than a lack of service yeah but then yeah Glenn tell them about what we did do for food units before attending. So we're yeah we're feeling pretty good and at this point we've got a, at least an hour hour and twenty minutes before we need to go into the arena and um, well let's find uh, where we've got a, a parking pass at and in the days before Dave was like hey I got a I got a place for us to park so don't worry about it so we're driving around the arena kind of looking at the signage no that's not it that's not it we're trying to figure out. Uh, you know where our space is we turn right in front of the arena and the lot we have a pass for is literally like right in front of the front door it's basically the equivalent of where the physics teacher gets to park at a at a local high school <laughs> i mean we're right in front of the door like like you were between the guardrail and the ring like you're on the that part of the arena I mean, we parked. In. I was gonna say we parked towards the back of that lot, but I mean, the lot itself is just VIP front door service. 
Amazing. And because we were going to walk over to a nearby food establishment, we parked beforehand. So we basically parked, we backed into the spot right next to the exit gate. So we flew out of there at the end of the night. We were the first ones, like, it was like the Montreal screw job just happened and we were... We were the first ones to get out of there before everything hit the fan. <laughs> but yeah, and we found a place uh, that happened to be just across the street to to grab some uh, some nice tacos. And it was a little dicey though because it didn't look like it was open, and it didn't look there looked like there were very many options otherwise as we as we approached. But then. The open sign was lit. It was a little wheels off because you couldn't eat inside the restaurant. And everything, they were basically just doing to-go orders, but they had a couple tables outside that you could sit at. So to make things a little more dicey, freak rainstorm. Exactly. Like, at a, at a, we got RKO'd with, like, a 15-minute <laughs> rain. <laughs> and, we, and there was the moment of there's only so much cover there. It was very minimal. And we're like, well, this is going to be great. It rains on us. We're going to have to go sit in there for four hours, three and a half hours, just drenched. But that didn't happen. It was ten minutes or so, and it was and it was done. And f- food was fantastic. The only awkward moment was allegedly they had, like, fantastic margaritas. I would say they just kind of make margaritas with the mix you could get at a Kroger. <laughs> But they brought us all our food, which actually was really, really good. So if you're in Fort Worth near Dickey's Arena, go eat at Taco Heads. But um, <laughs> we we definitely had a, uh, excuse me, ma'am, do you have any margaritas back there moment as we had to all ask for the one, the one that we ordered when we got food and everything. And they were basically like, hey, thanks. See you later. We did enjoy, though, some nice fellow WWE universe camaraderie as we walk around and there's like two tables under the under the tent to get out of the rain and there was a couple sitting at one and we walk up and they're like hey man there's four of you guys we'll just move over to this other table and let you guys have ours and we gave them the the knowing nod and the two sweet hands oh yeah (laughs) oh yeah I, we when we were walking through town. We passed by some some guys, and one of them had uh, a down since day one shirt on. And I just walked by, and it was like, "Hey, what's up, Oose?" <laughs> and he just kind of looked. I mean, he got it obviously, but he's a little a little bit confused. And I think we had a good interaction there at the taco place. We were trying to figure something out. And well, uh, yeah, we were uh, trying Keith, to figure out a. Uh... A Keith Lee type figure had the answer to our obscure, obscure note, and we bonded again. We did. We were trying. To, we were talking about past money in the banks, and we brought up when uh, Carmella won, but it was actually her her dude, the little weird looking dude that actually grabbed the briefcase, and we couldn't remember his name. And yeah, this Keith Lee guy at the other table just looks over. He's like, Ellsworth. And we're, yeah. Yes, Ellsworth. <laughs> so now we head in, and the first thing that we notice, there are literally thousands of really dumb people that didn't go to Taco Heads, 
and are waiting in every concession line available for overpriced hot dogs and chicken sandwiches. So shout out to the people not, uh, you know, seated on the floor. <laughs> but also just complete luck of the draw. We we the we park, we go in, we go down to the floor and Dave is in the and he's head of the table as we're <laughs> going down to find our seats and we get down to the usher and you know he shows uh, you know, on his phone where our section we're at and I didn't have a lot of confidence the staff there seemed to be they gave me the vibe that they were just guessing where they were <laughs> sending us but we just by mere chance walked in on the correct side of the arena where it was like we walked down and walked back just a matter of like three rows on the floor down that one and that's where our seats were as opposed to having to walk all the way around the arena so i guess it's 50 50 but you know everything was just coming up dave at this point yeah if you wanted to if it was an empty parking lot and an empty arena and you were like find the most direct route to your seat like that's what we just lucked into so we get down to our seats um like I said, other than the fake Paul Bearer who was going with the Monday Night Raw t-shirt, we were all we were all tank topped up. I was wearing the no holds barred Rip'em Rip Thomas tank top. Genius. I hope I hope you got acknowledgement for that from oh, people. People acknowledged me. Don't worry about it. <laughs> and I believe Muscle Matt was wearing the the head of the table uh tank top. So we get down to our our seats and this was a new experience we were on we were next to the barricade we had the four seats where one of them was on the barricade of the entrance ramp seven rows back and we sit down and it was much like when we had our our good seats for nxt before the royal rumble where you just sit down and you're looking at the ring and you're looking like man this is this is going to be cool so we had that and um, we had the Uso tag was the uh, pre-show match, right? I believe. Yeah, yeah. The Usos against the Mysterios. And I was on the I was on the aisle. We were rotating aisle seats, and yeah, you know, get get high fives from both of uh, both teams, like just enjoying it. And uh, yeah, and then the show, the real show, kicked off, and I believe. Glenn, were you on the on the aisle for the first match? Yeah, so I got the the aisle for the women's ladder match, and even with the you know the opener, just the reality of how close we were to the ring, but how close we were as everyone walked through, and it's just you know these characters you see on TV, and then they're just strolling by, and they're just they're three or four feet from you and that's it it's just it's just uh it's wild and then you see how some of them you're like wow that guy is a lot smaller or a lot shorter than i uh than i thought he was but uh yeah the women's ladder match i think the first thing that oh go ahead uso's uh to go along with that uso's mysterio's match uso's smaller and They've been hitting Jack in the box more than the gym. Hey, I noticed. I was going to ask you about that. I noticed that on TV is they do not look like they've been uh, doing much core work Let's lately. Put it this way, I saw all 
So we had the Usos. We have Dominic Mysterio, who's still a kid. He's skinny. He's taller, but he's skinny. We have off the steroids Rey Mysterio. I would have taken the four of them against me, Glenn, and Muscle Matt in a shoot, and I would have bet everything we had on us. What about Paul Bearer? Oh, and Paul Bearer, too. Okay. It's like, don't leave him out. He's the Paul Heyman <laughs> in this thing. He's Put him on the, the mic. He's up the title belt in the background. <laughs> yeah. All right, so I want to hear but, this because, man, front row seat, Liv Morgan. Uh the 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 first thing that was uh, and then this was a theme even later on in the other match that I was close to the rail was making direct eye contact with any of the individuals and some of it being I'm just minding my own business and then next thing I know one of them is looking directly at me but this happened two times and the first was with Tamina. Oh gosh! It, it may have been as she came down that I was disinterested and verbally said, "You don't have anything to worry about. It's not going to happen." <laughs> and then the second one was when Oscar walked down, oh. and I'm just innocently, you know, oh. just on the rail, and all of a sudden, as she walks by, she turns, and from underneath the mask, there's just two Oscar eyes looking just directly like into my soul and it like it it caught me by surprise even i was just kind of like oh okay what's going on here there's a good a good still shot of that i mean she's looking directly at glenn (laughs) yeah well and that's something we probably should mention you guys were all over the tv i mean every entrance anytime the camera was anywhere in the vicinity of the ramp you guys were were very noticeable. I mean, we were, my watching party at home was flipping out, and we were also getting a kick out of how you stacked the, uh, who was sitting by the aisle to cater to Glenn's proclivities, which also <laughs> we'll get to later, but it was very well done. I believe so, yeah, one so of the- Muscle Matt's friends texted him like halfway through the show, stop being on TV all the time. <laughs> But it was uh, it was amazing. Um, and that after the conclusion of that match again. So did the, the latter back, match seem violent up close? No, not not to me. Not the women's, did. right? Not the women's. Okay, though. not the women's. It was it was not. And when it was over, uh, again, more eye contact as Tamina stares me down for a good one to two seconds, which I don't know if that was with any intent or what the deal was, but uh Glenn versus Tamina in a shoot fight. Who do we got? Ooh. I don't know. That's pretty close. That's a good one. We I also... don't have any murder in my family history. That we know of. We also had when uh when Nikki Ash pulled down the briefcase, we all looked at each other like, man, this is Otis all over again. And then the next night she won the title. So, <laughs> so she didn't lose it. The briefcase to the Miz is what you're saying. No, <laughs> no. As far as I know, there wasn't a sandwich in it. <laughs> yeah, through some sort of litigation and award that it went over to the Miz. But it was, uh, yeah. So to start that off, that was that was pretty cool. And and I, you know, I was trying to. 
I don't know. Like, I knew at that point we were definitely on TV with pretty much everybody that was walking down there. So in my mind, I'm like, okay, well, I don't want to do anything, like, real outlandish. And, you know, we'll get to one reason why later that I found out this week that that was probably a pretty decent idea. Um, So I was kind of self-conscious the whole time and just like, yeah, just, you know, just kind of watch it. Just kind of can't play it cool because I'm not cool but you know just do anything whatever you can that's closest to that was the was the noise level in there just ridiculous I mean was the place just on fire yeah the crowd was super hot um I I think I I shamed one guy next to it or in the row behind us and I'm pretty proud of this he was one of those guys and we've run into this fan before so opening you know pyro going off opening an event he jumps up on his chair with a big sign that says aew is better oh which boy. a is just the biggest joke in the world if you've actually watched aew it's terrible <laughs> okay yes okay um, but he was standing like right behind me and I just kind of looked at him and gave him like the real like the father disapproving like head shake like what are you doing never saw that sign the rest of the night so whoa yeah. so he he didn't want to get ripped he by rip him he did not he didn't want to feel the riptide <laughs> um, oh speaking of the riptide well let's uh we'll quickly gloss over because the next couple matches were uh muscle mat and Fake Paul Bear on the aisle. I believe Muscle Matt got Lashley, Kofi. Kofi, very scrawny. Not impressive. Bobby Lashley, Lashley. on the other hand. <laughs> Holy crap. <laughs> Good lord, that man is enormous. <laughs> he is every bit of as large in person as you think on TV. Yes, large and intimidating. Yeah, 100% agree. And then we had, uh, oh, we had the Viking Raiders and AJ Styles and Omas. And, good Lord, Omas is enormous. Oh, that that would have been so great to see that in person. Yeah, I wish I had uh, taken some video of his entrance just to have that, just how, how big that he is have some video of that because yeah he's uh i think they bill him as being like seven three i don't know if it's if he's really that tall but that's a big dude he is a very very big dude and then we got to the first audible called because i was on the aisle for the next match and then they start playing the uh you know, build up video package, and it is going to be Rhea Ripley versus Charlotte Flair. And I look over at Glenn, and I hold my hand out for the hot tag. <laughs> Glenn's leaned over the ropes. I'm holding, holding the little, the little string thing yes. from the corner, just as as far as I can. And take it away, Glenn. But I do want to add no. on something post-match that I believe was not on video, but uh, go ahead. Okay, so, yeah, so this was my, at the first with a women's ladder match, that was just based on how we sat down and how we arrived. 
but I had the I had Ripley and Flair reserved. No matter what, I was I had the rail for that one. So uh so they bring Rhea, Rhea comes out. I don't know. She's about 5'10", I think. But uh ah man, she, she was taller than bigger than I thought. Yeah. She's big. You know, even that I thought that she would be. So she comes out, and I think in this they were trying to project that she's more the baby face in this, even though in the mm-hmm. build-up it was very much, you, you can't tell. So she's actually kind of giving out the, the you know, low fives and stuff as she's walking through the crowd. So she's walking down, you know, uh, the entry ramp and kind of down one side, and then she kind of turns toward the side we're on, and I'm like, dude, this is... You only live once, man. <laughs> you just got to put the hand out, you know. So stick it out and hit my hand. And uh, <laughs> I just want to clarify that. <laughs> and she walks by and gives a very, very substantial low five that oh, very impactful. I was, I was touched. I was stunned. I was a lot of blood uh, flow down there. I was in. I almost they almost had to catch me as I almost fainted, fainted backwards. It was, it was an amazing moment. Glenn Didn't did you do, do kind of a faint routine on the TV, like slumped over the railing after she touched you? No, no, that was that was at the end. I oh, I grabbed, thought that was I after. Grabbed, no, I grabbed my chest. Oh, I grabbed that's my heart. It's okay. We got a real kick out of it. Great. But the, so they had the match. Charlotte Flair comes out. And she walks down, and she's doing her stare down of the crowd. And this, I think, this is just completely coincidental because I'm just standing and just I'm just taking it in. I'm just watching her, and she kind of the music hits, and she you know puts her arms out, does her whole thing, and uh, she's looking kind of up and then right to left. And when she turns again, I'm just watching her. She turns and looks right at me for for like a couple seconds and I was more intimidated then than at any other moment oh, in no. the entire night. Oh no. Um but yeah, so had that match. Rhea did not win. Uh she taps out and then you can see me as she is in the figure four or whatever it was that I'm leaning over the rail just hoping that she kicks out of this and turns it around. And when she taps out, I just slump down <laughs> over the rail. And this week I talked to a, uh, on the phone with a fellow employee that I wasn't a hundred percent sure was into wrestling and certainly didn't really think that they watched it. And I called them about something and we talked for a little bit and then they were like, uh, Hey, do I have a question? I was like, yeah, what's up? Do you always slump over the rail every time Rhea Ripley loses a match? <laughs> wow. Amazing. Amazing. So somebody somebody was watching and then was like, oh, there's my boss. Uh, pretty much. Amazing. So this is the part that has not been widely reported because it was not seen on the cock. But so Ripley rolls out of the ring because Charlotte's gonna you know she's gonna celebrate the title win um referee goes to help Ripley down because she's selling the leg and as you know one of Charlotte Flair's bits is she always has someone hold the ropes for her often the referee 
But the referee's kind of down the aisle with Rhea Ripley. So she's kind of looking at him, waiting for someone to hold the ropes, and he's kind of like half trying to leave Rhea to go do it. And Charlotte actually ended up like one of the camera guys got up there and held the ropes for her. But what that led to was Rhea Ripley leaned back against the guardrail literally right in front of us. And it wasn't on TV, oh, but Glenn is standing there and she's just like leaned against the rail like right in front of us. <laughs> uh, I was like, hey then, guys, check that out. And then at that point, the, the entire rail fell down. <laughs> but the other way... <laughs> It was it was pretty great. Yeah, that was that was quite a moment. Did you say anything to her? Did you tell her you were sorry? I don't. For all I don't the think thoughts you've had about her over the years, I don't think I did. I think I commented to everybody else that one of the scratches she had on her back from the match was just substantial. Mm. It was like uh, I don't think we needed stitches, but I was like that doesn't look like anything I want a part of. Unless it was maybe she had administered it, and <laughs> maybe I would. <laughs> I mean, so then after that, we righted course, and I took my spot on the aisle. And up next was the men's uh, Money in the Bank, which was super fun. Got to see. Uh, I was really hoping to get to interact with the Miz, but he. Uh, he stayed up at the top of the ramp. My my neighbor here in Austin decided to let John Morrison go it alone. But we did get to see him. We got to see a little we bit. We see Wheelchair Miz, but I, yeah, I was hopeful, too, he would at least make his way down. I was hoping a ladder would fall on him at some point, <laughs> honestly, but they had other plans. But, you know, we got the... Uh, we got we got bro entrance. I'm trying to think. I know I got a few high fives. I'm trying to remember exactly who I interacted with. Um, got to see Ricochet came out, which of course I was just hog watching the whole time. <laughs> um, got got to see the Nakamura guitar bo- intro. <laughs> Well, I'm glad you guys got to see that because this oh, was yeah, right. this was exactly during the point when the cock decided that it needed to it go find offline. some. Yeah, it needed to go call four hymns. <laughs> there was no blue because we shoe. we basically missed all of the entrances to this match while the uh, while the cock was stuttering. Well, this was super fun. You know, I obviously it was great to see everyone. Uh, I'll say this. Uh, Kevin Owens, a lot smaller than I expected. Yeah, I'm gonna do a height check. Yeah, smaller. Real quick and, and see what he's billed at. Biggie, very impressive. Uh, McIntyre, very impressive. Oh uh, yeah. But uh, so th- this says Kevin Owens is six foot tall, and I am uh, now placing, I'm taking out an extra mortgage, <laughs> and placing both of them on the under, on six feet. Yes, I would, I would tail you on that bet. Also, like, I, I expected him. Obviously, he's not, you know, he's not John Morrison shape, but I expected him to be more imposing. Like he really wasn't. Like. He just his arms weren't very no. big. Like he just 
He's kind of shaped like a bowling ball. Yeah. Like, I mean, if we had put his shirt on fake Paul Bearer, I mean, we may have, <laughs> <laughs> may have not known the difference. <laughs> um, but this was a... You know, obviously, Glenn by far had the true WrestleMania moment. But this was mine of the evening because I was on the aisle when uh, when Jinder Mahal and Henchman came out, pulled McIntyre, who was going to win, pulled him off the ladder, bring him out the aisle, and they are right in front of us. I mean, right in front of us. And Jinder Mahal was laying in some chair shots. Oh yeah. I mean those when you're a you know 3 feet away it's pretty pretty impressive. And if you watch if you load up the cock and watch it you'll see uh myself in the Riffum tank top leaned over basically doing the Rocky 4 like he's done <laughs> throwing the towel. <laughs> and then right before the cut and this is my favorite part and you see the start of it like He's just hit him with a chair, you know, four or five times. There's three people now interfering that aren't in the match, and the referee's standing right next to me. And I turn to him and just, like, real matter-of-factly be like, man, you've lost control of this match. <laughs> but you can see me turn to him and start talking, and then they cut to yeah. a different camera angle. Amazing. But there were some great spots in that, as there always is, but... Yeah, uh, it was very cool to see Biggie win it. Obviously, that went over well. There's not there's not much of an anti Biggie faction out there. Um, also, real quick, but yeah, I mean, in that match, some of the stu- was when Ricochet did the. He's on the top yes. of the ladder. It's leaned over. He springboards to the top rope and then flips, and that was in the aisle. Like we're right, we could reach out right in front of us. People. So cool. Yeah, so there was some very uh very cool moments. Riddle RKO'd like half the <laughs> of the other combatants, which was really cool and uh yeah. So then that led us to the well, to the main event we that we were off camera post match riddle, which was super fun. Like obviously none of the audio, this isn't on it. But he's walking oh, right, down yeah. the aisle and he's like, Man, that was fun. He's just like so fired up. <laughs> He's high fiving everybody too. So Paul Bearer, cool. Paul Bearer was in position for the main event, correct? Yeah, I was, was going to say, just with uh, them interacting with fans, like the Charlotte Flair thing, because by the time that was over and she got out, like all the house lights are down. Obviously, there's nothing that's broadcasting right now. And once she got out of the ring and the lights were down, she went from in character to a hundred percent not in character. And probably every kid and probably every, you know, younger girl that was probably like 12, 11 or younger that was sitting in that area, she went to every single one of them and like high-fived them or hugged them or something like that. So I thought that it was, was cool. cool. It was, uh, yeah, it was pretty cool to see. So, yeah, so main event, it is, uh, it's head of the table time. I've been waiting for the song oh, to kick in all man. night. And can I, what a day, can I interject here? I want to use I want to use our platform. And I was proud of our group. I think as a fan at a wrestling event, it's your duty to play along with good storylines. 
And in the case of Roman Reigns, we are all fully docked that heel Roman Reigns is the greatest thing going. But I think... Without question. I think to your part as a fan is you have to boo. Like, you have to lay that heat on him because he's doing a good job. Like, if it's some, you know, phony heel that no one's buying, you can do whatever you want with those people. But when someone's doing it well, I think you owe them. Like, you can't be like, yeah, Roman, you're awesome. Like, that kind of kills it. (laughs) And I was proud of our group. There was a few smatterings in the crowd that was cheering. But for the most part, I thought it was a good crowd. Good. You guys did the right thing. How was that that match on just watching on TV? Because in person, overall, it was fine, but it... Like it started out unbelievably slow, at least in the building. It, and it was also very long. Um, yeah, it, long enough that you, there was points where you were noticing how long it was. Now, part of that was that you know my my son at this point up, up way past his bedtime, and I'm thinking to myself like, okay, well they're gonna go home here pretty soon, and then you know it's like you know five ten more minutes, they're still going. It drug a little bit. I I mean I get why they have to do it. I. This is not the most PC thing to say, but I am not an Edge fan. I, I mean, I've always been okay with him, but I'm not. I'm not just over the top. Like, oh, we're witnessing the greatest thing to ever happen here. I wasn't like that when he was in his prime either. I would have preferred Reigns to take it home a little quicker than he did, but it was fine and it did build nicely. I mean, it 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 ended up in a good spot. And the right guy won. I mean, I felt like, you know, I I was really hoping they weren't going to mess anything up there, which they didn't. I will wholeheartedly agree with all of you two gentlemen's points. And I wonder, and this is pure speculation on my part, I feel like all of Edge's matches since his return have felt too long. And I kind of feel like maybe that's, I feel, this is, like I said, speculation is he wanting them to be long? It's like to show, hey, I can still go out there and do a 30-minute match. Because it seems weird yeah. that all his well, matches are that way. I think it's been that, and I think it's also been like he's probably about 50-50 in you know, wins and losses. But I guess it's just to the point of even the ones he loses... It was this, you know, 25-minute grudge match or he was going to win, but then Daniel Bryan pulled him out of the ring or knocked the ref out of the ring, you know, something something like that. Because that's really the only one he's been in that's been, like, absolute thumbs up. Yeah. All the other ones were the, the uh, I Quit or Last Man Standing with Orton at Mania was like 35 minutes. Brutal. And then they had the the greatest match ever. Both of those were bad. That they, yeah, that they did at the Performance Center. And that was the one that they they obviously didn't... They filmed it very much like a movie, like with all kinds of unique camera angles. And that was kind of cool. But again, it was like 30 minutes yeah. and about 10 or 12 in, we, we were... <laughs> We were tapping out, so I don't know what they're doing with him. Like, I, he's got a match at SummerSlam, which I think he's going to end up winning. But I think they're just going to use I, him for the big events and keep him yeah. limited. But, but that match. So again, you know, you guys are there. You're you you're locked in. When that match was over, I almost made a colossal mistake, which was, hey man, you got to go to bed. Like, 
this almost, is we're we're turning this thing off. Like you almost we're done. put the cock away. Yeah, I almost put the cock back in its holder. Yeah, that would but have been a I mistake. Saw, yeah, then I saw that Paul and Roman were going to bring the mic into the ring, and then I'm like, oh boy, here we go. Something's about something's to happen. Something's going to happen. Because there's no yeah. reason for him to talk unless something's going to happen. And this is when, of course, my son doesn't know what rumors have been floating around, so he doesn't know. And I'm just, and as soon as they, I saw him going for the mic, I'm like, oh baby, this, something's happening. It's happening. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I kind of thought the same thing, and and we were where we were sitting, we could see the you know the uh, they've got the the clock that's facing the ring, so if they've got to get out by a certain time, they can see you know, and I thought the whole thing was going to be over by ten, so the Edge and Reigns match is still going with no real end in sight, and it's like nine fifty seven, and I'm like, what are they going to do? Like this is going to have like the worst ending ever it's not going to make any sense Roman's just going to get him in a weird hold he's going to tap out and everybody's going to boo and that's it and all of a sudden it's 10 5 10 12 it's like 10 18 <laughs> and finally finally it's over and i had seen the rumors and it was all but confirmed that cena is going to be at SummerSlam. it didn't mean he was going to show up that night but right exactly once we we didn't just play the music and and leave and he went for the microphone it was it was just waiting for it to hit and boy when it did ruthless dickies <laughs> arena yeah the crowd went banana as pat patterson used to say super <laughs> cool moment super cool um yeah it was awesome and uh i watched the watched the uh you know, on the on the Peacock Network, because they just they end with you know they kind of get in there and stare each other down, and then Cena right, goes and then to the it corner. goes yeah they go off the air they never touch oh yeah they go off the air and they never touched like Roman and Heyman just left but Cena definitely addresses the crowd and and you know played up glad to be back glad the fans are back so that was super cool um and while we're on the subject have you gone back and watched any of the Rhea Ripley Charlotte match. I mean, I think I did. So, I mean, I watched some of it. Yeah, for sure. I don't know if I watched every second. Yeah, I don't know where you're going with this. Well, as we saw, it was on Twitter. Like day of was Becky Lynch standing out front of Dickie's Arena, so the crowd was kind of okay. amped that maybe Becky would be there. So the start of the Rhea oh, Ripley okay. Charlotte match. A good portion of the crowd starts chanting, we want Becky. Right. And I was interested, and this is why I went back and watched it. Charlotte turns to the crowd, does the crotch chop, and then gives them all the finger, and they edit it out on the, the broadcast. Like well, they goes, didn't edit it out when I was watching it. On the replay, it goes to a black screen. Yeah, they went to a black screen and came back while she was still prominently holding up the double bird. Okay, well, they black-screened a bit of it because I was like, whoa. Hey, but I also loved it that Charlotte was just having none of it. Well, it was and she gets, she gets real emotional in the ring anyways. And she does not, does not like that disrespect. And I don't blame her, man. Shame on that crowd. And I'm sure you guys were trying to lead the chant. I'm sure. No, we were not. You all had on your no, The Man no. t-shirt, standing up on your chairs, not a chance. Like a conductor waving your arms we around. Were full, full in the corner of Rhea Ripley, and just enjoying, right. enjoying the match. 
And I got to go to Raw the next night with the with the boys and see a Money in the Bank cash in for a title. Man, That's, and Cena, which was pretty awesome. Did they love that they got to see Cena. And they didn't know either, and they were they were pretty excited. <laughs> they were looking at me like, "Are you like, are you serious? Is that really is he really here? You know, type of thing." And then to that was their moment. My moment was when. Keith Lee made his surprise return, and I fired up like Akeem during halftime of the St. John's game. And they're looking at me like, who's this guy? As I, I just fooled, fooled into thinking that he was... Because uh, they brought him out to, to fight Lashley that night, and for some reason in my head I was like, Maybe the Goldberg rumor wasn't true and bringing Keith Lee back to feud with Lashley. Which would have been better. Yeah. I'll say this, though. I mean, I hate what they're doing with Goldberg. I don't think Goldberg is a draw anymore. I think it's stupid to keep bringing him back. I do like, though, because I was was worried for McIntyre, what they were going to do with him after the Lashley feud. I'm really liking what they're doing with Jinder Mahal. I love when Jinder Mahal had the Singh brothers. I like that now he has a lawyer to go along with these two big old dudes. I'm loving that whole storyline. No, this is it, good. It'll get Drew cooled off a little bit, and hopefully the crowd will forgive him, and it'll be good. He'll get his uh, get his rightful place as the uh, as the fan favorite back. Well, He'll be do back. we have any uh, any prominent wrestling? Because if not, I have a off-brand wrestling I can give two oh, minutes no. on. No, I think this would be a good By way to means. a good way for us to go home. All right. So, Matt Stryker, formerly of the WWF, WWE, sorry, has gone to the indie circuit under his, I believe, his shoot name of Matt Cardona. And i got to tell you, I missed much of the Matt Stryker. I was at his, when he won the Intercontinental Belt at Mania in Dallas. I was there for that. But I've looked back at some of his stuff. Pretty funny. He He was doing, like, his own YouTube internet videos. He had some good bits where it was just, like, him trying to climb a fence and he looked back at the camera and was like, I just can't get over, guys. I just I can't get over. <laughs> Some pretty funny stuff. So I like him. I do enjoy he has a podcast all about action, like wrestling collectible action figures, which is pretty enjoyable. But he was going to GCW, Game Changer Wrestling, if you're unfamiliar. Interesting. And he was going to face Nick Gage for the GCW world title. Have either or both of you watched the Dark Side of the Ring on Nick Gage? I'm embarrassed to say I have not. I haven't seen it either. Okay. Unless I saw it at your house the weekend of CODA, I haven't seen it. No, we did not watch it. But you are familiar with the Nick Gage-David Arquette incident. Very. Yes. Yes. So you know what he's all about. So in the dark side of the ring, just to give you a a, a quick recap of Nick Gage. Apparently there's something and it was outdoor and it looked like the 
embarrassed thing ever. But they have like someone puts on this king of the death match tournament in like some field somewhere in America. They have a ring. And this was part of the Nick Gage dark side of the ring because in it he's one of his big spots is the light tubes hitting people with the glass light tubes and they stick a bunch of them in the ring ropes and he gets he gets shot into the ropes and hits them and as they do they shatter and one of them shatters into a point and slices an artery of Nick Gage. Oh. And they take him to, like, the quote-unquote medical tent, which is basically, like, an easy up and, like, one guy there. And he's he's essentially bleeding out. And he tries to go back in the ring. And this kind of... I mean, he was already a legend in that deathmatch community, but he apparently was clinically dead for eight minutes. And they heli- helicopter flight him out of there, and they resuscitate him. But like he legit died in a death match. Uh, <laughs> apropos, I suppose. So, anyways, this weekend was Matt Cardona against Nick Gage, and I'm like, I know I'm going to be disgusted by this. But I also kind of want to watch it just because I'm very intrigued by this whole bit. So, Saturday night, I took a look. It was on Fight TV, that streaming service. And it was only $8. <laughs> okay. $8. But I actually did not buy it because I, the family. I did not get a chance. It was over by the time I got all the kiddos and stuff put to bed. I did find the free version, though, a few days later online. And I watched it. And it's very, very funny because Cardona is kind of genius because he, he still knows how to wrestle, right? Like, he's in there and he's, you know super tan I mean this was the garbage wrestling of like and oh my gosh the crowd at this thing like the devil bowl speedway crowd would look at this crowd and be like <laughs> man these people are wheels off <laughs> like, so Cardona's out there and he's doing the whole you know pretty boy I was in the big time and they're they hate him everyone hates him and he's just eating it up but what was funny was Cardona in the WWF wore the Speedo, wore the tights, the short tights. Mm-hmm. He comes out to this thing. He's got gloves on like I've never seen. He's got his whole arms taped like pre-match all the way up over his elbow pads. He's got pants that aren't wrestling pants. Like they're thicker. I was so like, he ain't getting hurt is yeah, what I'm like, you're telling me. He's, he's at least thought this through. Because Nick Gage comes out with just nothing. And, like, he's picking glass out of his hands the whole match because they're doing the light tube bit. Um, I will say this. I feel like Cardona took most of the brutal shots, which is kind of weird. But, yeah, man, just absolute garbage. They 
they had a bunch of run-ins and everyone that ran in like none of them could pull off one move without it turning into a huge botch at one point they played the Fozzie music which is now Chris Jericho's entrance because Gage mm-hmm. is actually that's happening right now as we're recording this is supposed to be on AEW but in the end Cardona <laughs> beats him clean in the middle I mean it wasn't <laughs> it wasn't clean clean but beats him in the middle and boy the crowd hated it it was amazing that's what i yeah that's what i heard about it because he, i don't know what the build up was to this match if any but it's almost like cardona just kind of showed yeah. up and then and took their main guy out and took the and took the title cuz i saw i saw a picture on twitter afterwards where he's he's holding the belt and he's covered in blood he's just got this just big smile on his face yeah so so look pretty fine. Was good. Good luck to him, but boy, he's got to be missing the WWE paycheck for going out there and bumping mm-hmm. around in a nice clean ring for five minutes. Well, and probably for the last year of his career, he just got to go sit in catering and collect a check. So, and boy, yeah, maybe maybe think about all that complaining that was going on. You look at Nick you're Gage, picking, and I will tell you this. I would not want to be bleeding over having blood mixed with that guy. Oh gosh. Good lord. You think there's you think there's some staff in the GCW ring? Just that maybe what the ring's built out of. 